So not only did God give us prayer as a way to alleviate our souls, our spirit, it also alleviates our mind and our bodies. Our bodies react in a positive way to a faith-based relationship. Richard Glickstein came into FRC recently to talk about faith-based solutions to address the growing mental health crisis among military veterans. Richard was the president of the National Bible Association for 10 years and created a manual to combat BTSD in the veteran community. Richard has even petitioned Congress to use these methods in legislation and served in various ministry roles in the U.S., Russia, and the former Soviet Union. Let's hear what he had to say. I want to thank uh, Tony Perkins, Reverend Bynum, and uh, the Family Research Council for the honor of coming here today to speak. Uh, this is an issue that uh, I think I have to blame my wife for. Uh, I was approached by one of, one of the senior chaplains of the military 12 years ago, and he said, Richard, I want to do a spiritual fitness manual for the military to combat PTSD and suicide. And I said, oh my gosh, why? Why do we want to do this? And my wife said, Richard, you need to do this. So my wife is in the back, and I'm very thankful for her impetus. She never gave up. And as I began to study the issue, I began to realize that this was a major crisis in our American history that needed to be addressed. There are only two wars that we know of here in America that the U.S. government and the U.S. population responded to in a magnanimous way. And that was the Civil War and World War II. There was great uh, response to our veterans that we took care of them. And um, uh, I'm, I'm afraid to say that one of the reasons was that the population that served in the Civil War was 11% of the U.S. population. And the population that served in World War II is about 9%. And so you had a major portion of the American public uh, that was in these wars. And let's face facts. Politics is very pragmatic. And it was, there was, in one sense, capital that a politician could gain. And they had to address this issue. Today, with less than 1% of our population serving, uh, we have had difficulty in overcoming this. But thank God, I believe we're at the precipice I mentioned to Chris earlier. Um, I, in my opportunity to work on the Hill, as many in the Family Research Council do, and now in relationship to the administration, are seeing a and with some folks here that are here from the VA, are seeing this wonderful coming together that I believe we're going to see a policy change that we've never seen in the history of the United States, that we're going to see faith-based solutions for PTSD and suicide ideation. And I've told this to the administration. I believe that this administration could go down as the first administration to reduce the 21 suicides per day that we have seen over the last 15 years. We are on the precipice, I believe, of a shift about this issue. And to believe that the answer is God 
it seems so simple and so right before us, but be that what it may, we're getting there. I'd like to start by reading a quote from George Washington. Uh, of course, we all love him, the city's named after him, but I want to read it. Uh, actually, Ron Chernow, a Jewish secular writer, I encourage you to read his book on Washington. Great, great biography. But in it, interestingly, that's why I love to quote him. He's a secular Jew, and he talks about the spiritual life of George Washington and Martha Washington. And I'll just tell you anecdotally before I tell you what George said, President Washington said, his wife spent two hours a day in the Bible and prayer, two hours a day. Uh, and the idea that Washington was a deist actually did not come forward until the 1930s. How many of you believed or heard growing up that Washington was a deist? Anyone here in this room? It's a lie. It's a lie purported by liberal theologians. And the person you want to read about this is Dr. Peter Lobeck, president of Westminster Theological Seminary, who wrote the book Sacred Fire. Have you read it? I have a copy of it. I haven't read it. Yes. <laughs> it's intimidating. It's I know Peter. Yes. Peter's a friend of mine. Peter's a friend of mine. And he is the greatest historian, in my opinion, in America on, the, on Christianity and the early, during the American Revolution. If you, wanna, if you have time and you can work it out, go on one of Peter's tours of Philadelphia and how he talks about the spiritual life of our founders and how it impacted the, the revolution and impacted the, the foundation of America. But Sacred Fire is a treatise on how to disprove that Washington was a deist. But let me quote Washington and let me tell you the circumstances. George Washington, a very ambitious, a young man, uh, wanted to be in the military. Always wanted to be. And so an opportunity came forward because he was an upper class Virginian to lead the militia for, the, for Virginia. Very connected to the British governor and so the British governor said, please, go ahead and lead our militia in the French and Indian War. And uh, it was ignominious because he lost his first battle and was, they had to surrender. Very humiliating. But anyway, during this time, in 1756, Washington went to the front and found himself with a dilapidated group of rabble-rousers who were his troops. And he looked at them, they were getting drunk all the time, they were, they were mutineering, they were, they were running away, and he wrote the Virginia governor. And listen to what he wrote to him. He said this, so he's lobbying the Virginia governor. He says, common decency, sir, in a camp, calls for the services of the divine. Ought not chaplains be dispensed with Chaplains is in parentheses because in the context of the letter he wrote about them. Although the world should be so uncharitable as to think us void of religion and incapable of good instructions. Washington understood, as General Boykin pointed out, that the relationship between religion, spiritual life, and resiliency, the term we use today at the Department of Defense to define how do we build character, how do we build quality individuals that can be put together into a fighting force 
that could then go out and for our mission have victory. Washington understood the relationship between how character is related to a relationship to God. So the founders understood this. And of course, we know in 1776 in Valley Forge, very familiar through the chaplaincy of the American government, we understand that Washington instituted the chaplaincy at Valley Forge. He said, we're going to take a day every week, no matter how bad the battles are, and we're going to worship God and institute the chaplaincy at this point. So our republic was founded with the idea that faith-based relationships are the way to bring victory within our military, to build character in our men at the time, men, now men and women. So this concept isn't a new concept. This is a concept that has been a part of our foundation. So what's happened? We have now devoid faith-based solutions for issues of character. How do, you, you can't make this apart. The Army talks about spiritual fitness, mental fitness, and physical fitness. But the spiritual fitness part is not an official part of how the military operates. But we know that it builds character. So I'd like to turn to the, um, uh, to the slide that I have up for a moment. Now I want to start off by talking a little bit about Plato's Allegory of the Cave. Now, in Plato's Allegory of the Cave, which was the foundation of mostly all his writing, he points out the, the basic theory is, is that it's through the mind, it's through the intellect, that this is how we get victory in life. This is how we change the world. Now, there's truth, some truth to that. But when it comes to mental health, even the term, let's think about that term for a minute, mental health, where are we directing our concerns? To the mind. And so we don't talk about wholeness. We don't talk about uh, transformation of the soul the spirit. We talk about our mental health. So let, let's take a look at this for a minute, if you mind. OK, so 15 years ago, and these figures are, are a, this figure is a little difficult to explain, because after 9-11, we saw more people come into the military. So that's the reason for the 16 a day. So we know that 15 years ago, about 16 military and veterans took their lives each day. So here's what's happened in the process with our good people at the VA, well-intentioned, our good people at DOD, well-intentioned. Over the last 15 years, we've seen 900 programs at DOD and approximately 200 programs at the VA that are working towards reducing suicide, suicide ideation, and post-traumatic stress disorder. So over the last 15 years, we've seen approximately 1,100 programs at both of these departments within the military. Now, so we spent billions of dollars of this, and it's all well-intentioned, but it's all been focused here in the mental health field. How do we come up with a program that'll work inside the mind to be able to reduce this suicide number? Today, it's 21. How do we do that so that we can reduce suicide. The former secretary had a great, you know, his heart was in a great place. He said their, his term was get to zero. That was the terminology at VA, get to zero. So the intentions are right. The people's hearts are right. But 
they're focused here. And so what do we have over the 1,100 programs, 15 years? The suicide rate has actually gone up, 21 per day. It has had no impact on this here, on this number here. We have all our people, our veterans, our military personnel are struggling, and we haven't come up with solutions. Now here's the problem. If we keep doing this, focusing on the mind, we, do we think we're going to reduce this number down here? We're never going to get there. Because it's focused on the wrong thing. Because in our world, and I'm not going to diverge here too much, we're in the Greek world. We believe, as with Plato, in the Western world, Europe coming over, we believe that the answer to all of life's problems are here. That's Greek philosophy. But the Eastern world believes that man has a spirit and that the seed of his being is here. And so our culture thinks that all the answers to this are here. And you'll never find the answer there because that's not where the problem is. So what happened? So when I go, into, I'll go to the hill and I start talking about these things, the first thing I say is, I'm not here because my mother loved God. I'm not here because this gives me goosebumps. I'm here because the scientific evidence proves that if you look here and target the health of an individual here, you reduce that. So I was, had the honor of working with a scientist from Duke University. His name is Harold Koenig. Harold, let me give you his title. Harold is the head of the Center for Spirituality, Theology, and Health at Duke University. Now, I must tell you something, and I hope you don't mind this levity. I'm Jewish. Growing up in New York, my son's a genius. Everybody's a genius. It's just you get together here, Jewish people. He's a genius, my son. My grandson, he's a genius. So I never use this term. <laughs> Because I just, when I'd hear it, I'd go, hey, what's with the genius? <laughs> it's how they talk. So anyway, so, so I met Harold. I say, Harold's a genius. <laughs> okay, so Harold is a godly, godly man. So I won't tell you the details, I'll tell you a little bit. So I met, I had the honor of meeting with one of the leaders of the executive order that Trump just issued, and I'm gonna talk a moment about that. But I met with him, so I always bring Harold's uh, CV with me. But there's one that I can download that's only two pages, because I don't wanna over, I think I gave one to Thayer and Conrad. There's one that's two pages long, so I always bring that. So for some reason, I'm on Harold's website at Duke, and I thought, oh, it says Curriculum Veritate. So I thought, oh, I'll just download that rather than creating my own. So I click on it. And I looked at the number and I was like, that can't be right. Then I thought, it must be the whole department's curriculum verite. It was 100 pages long. <laughs> Harold writes a book. I call him. He's Richard. I wrote a new book. I said, Harold, do you sleep? <laughs> God has given somebody. Harold is the leading expert, and I say this without exaggeration. Harold is the leading expert in the world 
on mental health and religion. He's world-renowned. He uh, has been studying this issue for 40 years. And Harold, I've had the honor to spend time with him uh, and work with him. And Harold, and uh, someone that I'll tell you about, says, and we came up with this stuff, he, he and Tyler Vendor, who I'll talk about briefly, and others came up with PTSD and suicide ideation. Or, no, that, we'll wait on that. The disciplined practice of religion at the top increases resiliency, reduces suicide, and helps to speed the resolution of PTSD. In one study that Harold did, he took 140 years of scientific evidence, of studies done all over the world, and had the most rigorous standards that they had to meet in order to be part of the study. And you, I will give you, I can send you a link to it if you like. But he proves that depression is, is reduced, anxiety is produced, suicide ideation. I like large numbers. I like huge numbers. And when I started to go to Congress, specifically up on the hill about this stuff, they only told me the same thing before I met Harold. They said, Richard, get us the data. If you get us the data, we'll do it. Into my life comes Harold Koenig the data freak. And now we can prove through science that the answer is here. Unequivocally, the numbers are in the hundreds of thousands and millions of, study, of people that they've studied over this. This is like creating actuary tables for insurance companies. The reason you pay so much for your insurance is because actuaries have taken huge numbers. How long are you going to live, at what age, with your blood pressure, et cetera, and this is how long you're going to last. This is the same thing. This is big, huge numbers that say mathematically run through the same computers that the people are using in, in tech world over in San Francisco. Proves, proves that the disciplined practice of religion increases resiliency, just like Washington said, reduces suicide and helps to speed the resolution of PTSD. That's where we are today in the scientific world. I want to talk to you about another doctor that, that I've had the opportunity to work with. His name is Dr. David LeMay. David LeMay is a rehabilitation expert. And uh, if David can break away, I think it'd be a great guy to come here and speak, Harold, also. But David is uh, the SEAL team consultant on rehabilitation. And so David said to me, he said, Richard, I only wish I could use prayer in what I do. Now, he took another friend of ours whose his name is Damon Friedman. He's strategic planning for Special Operations Forces. He was uh, on the ground, I believe, in Afghanistan, called in a strike. He's an Air, air Force air traffic controller from the ground. He said, Richard, I can call in strikes for anywhere. But he was too close to the bombing area. He was blown back by the blast and developed TBI. They said it'll take six months for you to be back in where you could start working again. David took him, did it in three. Because David said, Richard, I'm practicing science, medicine. That's 10 years ahead of what's happening today on the ground. He said, but this to me. He said, Richard, I wish 
that I could in the federal government, pray for these people I work with. He said, it'll speed the recovery. I said, why? He starts explaining to me the brain science. He started saying to me, Richard, there's new, new ways now that we can map the brain through MRIs. Okay, now I'm going to impress you. Okay, you gotta be impressed here. It took me three days to learn how to say this word, all right? Neuroplasticity. Are you impressed? It's a hard word. I'm gonna use it in Scrabble, but it's not enough letters. <laughs> the, the brain is, they used to think that the brain was static, that it didn't change. They now realize through this brain mapping, the brain changes shape, that it's like a muscle. And they are starting to prove that prayer, a faith-based relationship, they can watch it. They've done studies now, there's new science out. Now this is emerging, okay? There's new science out that they watch people while they're praying or have a religious relationship, the frontal part of their brain, if I'm correct in remembering what they told me, it, changes, it strengthens it. It reduces depression, reduces anxiety and stress while you're doing it. So not only did God give us prayer as a way to alleviate our souls, our spirit, it also alleviates our mind and our bodies. Our bodies react in a positive way to a faith-based relationship. We now have the science to prove it. Now, being Jewish, I know, Chris, you just came back from Israel. One of the things I love about Israel is two things. One, any archeological discussion, standing room only in the room. The Jews come, they all wanna hear, what did we find today? And I have friends in Israel, and I've been there many times, and my friend built his house there, and he found shards from the first century and other places. And so he was so excited, because he's an American, and he moved there. He said well, he found a cistern under his house that he turned into a room. And he, said, and he had the archaeologists come from the uh, Israeli antiquities, which is the big mucka when it comes to archaeology. And they came to his house and he said, ah, he says, first century. <laughs> Thrown around like it was nothing. <laughs> ah. <laughs> my friend was so disappointed. But anyway, he kept them. But my point is, is that what, what, what have we found with the Bible? The Bible says Ramsey was a pharaoh and that the Jews had the exodus. And all the scientists and all the, all the people of the mind world, <laughs> There's no evidence, this is, these are just fables. Lo and behold, they do archeological studies. They find a tablet that says Ramses the Pharaoh. They have only proven the Bible. The more, we want all the archeology span done in Israel that they can do, in Egypt, everywhere, because it'll only prove what the scripture says. We've been handed down that text for 6,000 years. That process through the Jews has continued. And we will see the same things happen. And that's what we're seeing with science today. Science is starting to prove this. So now when I go into meetings, I'm not shy. I'm not pushy. I just go, here's the evidence. Here's the data. We now know that this will happen. Now one of the things I do with just in a serious way like to talk about briefly is that uh, we have a 30 to 50% increase from the civilian population 
to the military for men. So we see a 30 to 50% increased chance of suicide once a civilian becomes a military person for men. But this is worse. Women from the civilian population to the military and then to veterans, if, once they become veterans, 200 to 500% more than the civilian population. Emily Cow at the Heritage Foundation, she's the one that pointed me out, I'm a man, I'm as thick as the next guy. I worked in this space for many years. Two years ago, she said, Richard, it's a woman's health crisis. And I went, oh my gosh, you are absolutely right, Emily. This is a very serious issue for women. And with the rise in the military of women joining, we have to address this. And we have to address it in a very specific way because they are 12 to 15 times more likely to kill themselves. So now, without the circumstance, and with the statistics that show us this brain science, that the answer is here now. And that I call this, and some others have similar terminology, I call, P I call PTSD, suicide ideation, is blunt trauma to the soul or the spirit. It's like a blunt trauma here. It's an impression. It's a wound. And that working in the mind cannot transform it, I'm, I'm afraid, as has been demonstrated here over the last 15 years. So Harold, Dr. LeMay, and Tyler Vanderweel, who's an epidemiologist at a Harvard that I work with, I, I believe, in fact, I saw it out here. He, uh, no, he is the John Loeb professor and Francis Lehman Loeb professor of epidemiology at Harvard. And his studies prove this, his worldwide studies about this issue. He works with Harold, and that this is where we need to target this thing. And once we target this, it'll, It'll transform the mind, and it'll transform the body. Women, I'm just going to use one of Tyler's study. Like I told you, women are 200 to 500% more likely to take their life if they've been in the military than the civilian population. But if a woman has a practices religion in a disciplined way, weekly, she reduces her chance of suicide by 500%. She'll be five times more, less likely than a woman in the civilian world to take her life. So the studies prove that this happens. So what are we having to have to overcome? I've been working in this space for a number of years. Arthur has also. How come it's so hard to move the ball forward? Why has it been so hard? Well, because we reject, in our culture at this point, this model. Now, those in the faith-based community don't. But the people in our American culture and Western philosophy, the Greek culture we live in, they reject it. But now we have the science to prove it. And that's why we can move the ball forward. Okay, so let's turn to, as General Boykin uh, alluded to, Let's turn to President Trump's executive order. Now, I had the opportunity prior to this to being able to work with um, Vice President Pence's policy people. Arthur was kind enough to get me an appointment with Steve Pinkos and wonderful Vice President Pence's staff are amazing people, everyone I've met. And Vice President Pence, I'm sure, is the same quality because he surrounded himself probably with people like himself. 
But anyway, uh, we were talking about having this issue as part of an executive order. And then I get a phone call the following week and said, the executive order's come up. I was like, what? <laughs> Came out faster than we could get into it. But we were in it, and we didn't realize it. I found out from one of uh, Vice President Pence's policy people, Jonathan Hickey. And what it is, as um, General Boykin alluded to, let me read to you the part in, Trump, in President Trump's executive order. The federal government, academia, employers, members of faith-based and other community, non-governmental, and non-profit organizations, first responders, and the veteran community must all work together to foster cultures in which veterans and their families can thrive. So when I read it, I went, oh my gosh. Even as General Boykin said, this is historical. He is the first president in modern times to address the issue of suicide ideation and say the possibility of a faith-based solution. So it was a great encouragement to me that, okay, we have an opportunity. Immediately when this executive order came out, now I have a friend who was at one point chief of staff and, and interim director at the VA. And most executive orders are, they're, they are amazing, but they come with very little effectiveness. If the dollars, as he told me, will remain anonymous, he said, Richard, unless there's dollars with these executive orders, we can't do anything because we only have so much of a pot of money to use. So generally, we you know, try to say, where's the dollars? How can we do this? So when I met and talked about this executive order, I brought that up, and I was shut down immediately in a good way. I said, no, we're serious about this. We're going to do this. We're going to create legislation that will impact if you read it, they're going to start funding, funding once we have the science that can demonstrate it, and we do have the science, funding at a local level, on a state level, non-government organizations, faith-based ones, including others, that can demonstrate best practices. Now, we have them out there already. We have many veterans organizations through their practices, faith-based organizations, that are seeing results. And when I talk to them, they say, Richard, we want to show you our results. I said, the results are good, but we have to have 100,000 people for a large enough sample in order to use this as data, because that's what the 21 per day is based on. It's based on the fact how many per 100,000 are taking their lives. So that's why I said, let's wait on data points. We can't use it yet. We have to get larger numbers with us. But on a local level, in their best practices, this executive order, and there will be, I hope I'm not letting a cat out of the bag, it's pretty practical, there's going to be legislation surrounding it that's going to be created that here is how we're going to deal with this. And just as an aside, I've talked to constitutional lawyers, and they have said to me, it's not a problem. Faith-based organizations can be funded this way because we already have it in different areas. And there's a department at the, there is a specific department at the Justice Department that deals with these issues. So Richard, there's not a constitutional problem with this. So we are seeing the beginnings of a, uh, a gathering of this task force. And one of the aspects of the task force, I can say this, uh, so I, when I met with one of the leaders of the task force, I said, okay, I figured first in, I got to get to this 
this task force quickly, and by God's grace, I was able to meet with one of the co-leaders of the task force from the White House. And I came with, you got to come with an ask, right? One thing I've learned here in Washington, don't just go and talk to people, come with an ask. And so my ask was, I wanted Harold Koenig and Dr. LeMay on the task, scientific task force. Because here's what's going to happen, unfortunately. It's hard for us to change out of a paradigm. For the last 15 years, and well-intentioned scientists have created these programs, correct? And they've all failed. The task force will have these same people. So I want faith-based scientists on this task force so that they can speak from the perspective of, whoa, here's data, overwhelming data, that proves there are faith-based solutions to this. So if we have that voice at the table, will affect the impact and the direction of the task force. So thankfully, as I told Drew, I said, Drew, I brought you a two-page summary of Harold's CV. I said, but if you're not nice and do what I ask, I'm sending you the 100-page one. <laughs> he said, all right, don't send me the 100-page one. I was with Steve Bucci at the Heritage Foundation. Of course, Steve is a cybersecurity expert, served under Rumsfeld, and uh, he you know, is a great godly man, special operations leader, and uh, I was with him, and I, I was talking to him about these faith-based issues, and he turns to me and goes, Richard, he said, I was convinced about this. I just looked at Harold's bio bibliography. There was like, it was like pages of it. <laughs> he said, I was so intimidated. I went, I get it, I get it. So anyway, we have, Harold is going to be on the task force, scientific task force. David LeMay will be on the scientific task force, and we're working towards others who have a faith-based position from a scientific methodology to demonstrate this, that these numbers don't lie. This isn't our emotion. We have great faith, and emotion is affected by our faith. But what is driving this is science now. So President Trump is, as General Boykin pointed out, he is making history as the first president that we know of in modern times who has addressed this. And as I mentioned before, in my opinion, once this science, and I think it's only a matter of mathematics, once this science is applied to the, to the uh, situation where we can get this message out. Now, I, gotta, I, I must tell you something. Suicide, I've been studying suicide for many years. And suicide is horrible for the person that takes their own life. But for me, the families afterwards are the ones that suffer the most. If you think about that mother and father or brother or sister, that when they're in their town, wherever that is, in middle America, comes basically, our military comes from about six states, correct? He notes. That from those small towns, those small towns across America, when somebody meets them in town, how's your son or daughter doing? Thank you for their service. That same child, if unfortunately they have PTSD and have taken their life, what happens when they meet that person in town again? The shame that those parents and the guilt. Suicide produces horrible guilt on the part of parents. I've seen the direct impact of suicide on parents, and it's horrific. Their lives are broken, and very few of them ever get to the place of overcoming that suicide and reconciling it. 
So here's part of what I, my strategy is. We get this message out through the scientific task force, through the VA. Moms and dads, cousins, brothers, wives, children across America are going, you're coming with me to church. When they have somebody in their family suffering with PTSD, suicide ideation, depression, that's a veteran or a military person, they're going to know. Inertly, they know in us. Somehow I think my religious relationship is what's going to help my son, daughter, cousin, wife, or so-and-so. We get this message out. These moms, these dads, these cousins, these wives, these husbands are going to grab that person and go, you're coming with me to our religious meeting because this is going to help you. Now, here's the irony of the whole thing. What is the, the most well-known alcohol rehabilitation program in the world? Somebody tell me. AA. And what are AAs, what do they call the 12 steps? Correct? Six of them about a relationship to God. The guys that started it were Christians. Now they've changed the term to higher power, but the same point. Do you know what the 12th one says? The 12th one says, and now as you continue, continue to develop your relationship to God. That's the last one. Continue in your faith-based tradition because that's what's healed you. So we accept the fact that a relationship to God will help people overcome alcoholism. I'm afraid to say it, but it's true. It's the same answer is for this, based on all the scientific evidence we have. Because the same thing that's transforming the brain of the alcoholic, the same thing that's helping him in his mind to be drenched with his religious relationship with God, spiritual relationship, is the same thing that's going to help a sufferer of PTSD and suicide ideation. So, in conclusion, there is already contemplated legislation about all this before the task force even begins to meet. So, because they have this data. So, we are in the process, of course, where and it's not it's not, like, uh, it's not like as if, well, they've already concluded it. They, they're in, the, 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 the rut where the wheels are going, already talking about this. We're in the process of talking on the Hill about how does legislation back this all up? How does legislation going to fit into the holistic approach to helping veterans? And that's where we are at this point. So we are in a great place. We have to thank the Trump administration, Vice President Pence, and the senators that are on the Hill, Senator Bozeman is leading the charge on this, Senator Lankford and others on the House side. Uh, we will have to see how this works going forward. But we are in a position now where I personally, I'm only one person, but being active on this issue now for a number of years, that the discussions uh, with different departments within the administration and the Hill um, and the presidency, uh, we are headed, I believe, towards a concrete solution to this that will include faith-based answers that work. Matt Carpenter is with me today. He's the Deputy Director of State and Local Affairs and deeply interested in the subject of applying the spiritual life to current veterans' issues. Matt, thanks for sitting down with us. Thanks for having me, Matt. All right. Matt and Matt, I love it.
So anyway, he so Glickstein's saying he thinks that this executive order actually could reduce the rate of suicide. I think it was about 21 people a day, of veterans a day. Yeah, that was quite shocking, actually. Yeah. Thinking back to the lecture, he was saying 21 suicides a day for the last 15 years. Just, I mean, just of the veterans in this country. Unbelievable. Right. Yeah. He, well, it's funny because he was saying he was very hopeful of the executive order actually helping out. But he even admits, unless you have dollar signs attached to something, when they do that, it's really hard. But he seems really hopeful. It seems like through legislation that at some point they're really going to get something done. Yeah, and he alluded to the fact that he may have been jumping the gun. So I I haven't seen a bill. I don't know if there's a bill out there. I'm sure it's in the works. He mentioned the executive order. He didn't really go into too much detail on that. Mm -hmm. But something else that I thought was quite interesting that he brought up was also the importance of communities and the local church in this. And so that kind of gets that next level down in terms of how do we relate to people in our community, in our in our churches, people just in our in our workplaces, in our classrooms, who are veterans or who have family members or friends who are veterans who may be dealing with suicidal ideation and PTSD and anxiety right. and all these issues, and how do we connect them to this faith-based framework that he's outlined to help deal with this problem of, of suicidal ideation? Mm-hmm. Why do you think it took so long? I guess maybe it was that the numbers, we didn't get that until really recently. Or I know like PTSD is relatively new, right? They didn't know at first what was going on. They, I think they call it being shell-shocked. And so do you think it's just not being able to identify the problem till now and get the legs with the data and that sort of There's thing? There's definitely some truth to that. I yeah. think we've come a long way in, in terms of our understanding of some of these mental health issues. PTSD is not something that's been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. I think this is right. something that's kind of, honestly, maybe in the last few decades. So... It does make sense that the DOD has been working on this issue for, for several years, throwing good money after bad money, unfortunately, just dealing with the mind and the body mm-hmm. element and not getting through to that next level of mind, body, and spirit. Right. He even cites secular Jews. I can't remember the name he, he had of someone who was focusing a lot on the life of Washington, of the Washington family even, and how his spiritual life related a lot to the founding you know, principles of this country. Do you think that that's a result of natural law, I guess? I mean, that even Christians don't identify this? Because it's not everybody. Some of these people will be able to understand the spiritual life, and some of them don't. Some of them might even have animus towards it. Why do you think some people, it seems so obvious to them and and just not obvious to others? We're sort of in this postmodernist culture now, where I think a lot of people in our society just reject the idea of absolutes Mm-hmm. categorically. They just right. say there's no absolute statement regarding morality or anything like this. And so and I think when they approach government, they think the only government that makes sense is a government that deals in the material world. Mm-hmm. And the only only material world as it relates to human beings are their body and their mind. And so I think that makes sense that there's been sort of a, a barrier there that we've had to punch through and start talking about the spiritual element as well. And you mentioned George Washington. Obviously, I think our listeners will, will agree with the fact that Judeo-Christian values have been just instrumental since the inception of this country in terms of how we fought our wars and how we thought about government and the law and culture. And so it makes sense that George Washington would would inject that everywhere he could with his soldiers and just say, you know, let's let's make sure we have a faith-based element to everything we're doing here. Right. He said that with the DOD, they have the idea of spiritual fitness, right? That's something that's written on the books that we've had for a really long time that he's saying, look, that's part of the thing that we sort of lost but obviously we had it, and then we lost it, and like trying to go back, and we're wondering, well, why do we have such problems in it? 
seems sort of obvious to him. We see the Judeo-Christian principles are still alive in certain aspects of the country, of the philosophy of the country. So why is it that you think it's just bit, that it's a slow degradation where we're going to start to see it, that we're starting to lose that in certain aspects and it's just going to keep getting worse? Culturally, I think it's getting worse. I mean, I think we've, we see a, there's sort of a grading going on now because our, our society is so polarized. Mm. And you see it in media and in culture and in our movies and our music where we're sort of weaponizing culture against the other, right? Which, mm-hmm. which if you're a, if you're on the left side, it's the religious right. If you're on, you know, a Christian, you're generally concerned about what's going on with the secular world on this matter. Well, he mentions, what was his name? Harold Conan, right? He's saying now we have the science to prove all these things because, you know, more people are saying, well, I need to see a study and look at the facts to make sure that this is what's going on. And so it seems like what we're seeing with him is that there's this, you know, it's almost like they're saying, you want science? I'll give you science and then show all these numbers. And, right. and it, that, because that's the only way we can sort of relay to these people because he said when they're talking right. about legislation, you give us the data and we'll get it done. And so remember they were talking about the neuroplasticity his really impressive word I was thrown back with. Yeah, neuroplasticity. Yeah, Yeah, I mean how refreshing is that that science would confirm something that we've known all along? Well, it's funny because some of those people even do that with when they were saying, oh, the neuroplasticity changes the way your brain looks, so you're basically observing that something had changed. But even some people are saying, oh, that just shows that Christians are, you know, they're crazy Mm -hmm. because that happens. But if anything, for us that I think that shows something's actually going on in the right. brain. Uh, there's there's got to be something to be said that our, our I think our bodies and our and our souls crave that quiet time with the Lord in prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, it craves fellowship with other people. I think in a church community or in a faith-based community, there's definitely a, another level of, of closeness, of bonding that's probably right. attainable because you're talking about tapping into some, uh, something greater than yourself. Right. I think, would you say that maybe even just the social factor is probably something that helps contribute to this too? I mean, people Absolutely. who are in religion, people who have faith, they're going to a community of mm-hmm. people who are helping them and and building those relationships that lead them to God. Right. right. I mean, if, if you're a person of faith, you know full well that your your faith is not compartmentalized to you. You're mm-hmm. called to share. You're called to be part of a, of a church community, of, of right. the local church, of to evangelize and mm-hmm. share your faith with, with people who aren't in your right. church. Um, so you're well-versed in, in the benefits, not just for you, but for all the others around you as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sharing your faith. Yeah. Well, I think we're really hopeful now about this executive order and, and through the administration helping to see these suicide rates go down, to see PTSD go down, and really help these veterans. Matt, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Matt. It's great All to right. be on. Take care. If you guys want more from Lecture Me, visit frc.org or download the Stand Firm app.